Gracious God, we have come to you in song and asked you to fill us up. And God, we are praying that you would just overflow into this time. We pray, God, that you would speak to us in a very clear way. And, and we've come in here with lots of distractions. We've come in here, Father God, with many idols, many things competing for the affections of our heart. And God, we are desperately wanting you to be priority number one. And so God, today, um, in the middle of this service, there will be things that pull at our mind. Maybe move us away from what you may be saying. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray for just a clear sense that you are speaking and moving. And God, we, we anticipate what you're going to say. We expect you to speak. And God, because a man can't change other men, we've got to have God speak to us, God. So we just rest in that. We, we just rest in this moment, God, of just th that, that God is about to speak to people. I mean, it's crazy that you're going to speak through a person to people. It's, it's as miraculous and as weird and as awkward as it is, you're going to speak. And so, God, we're just going to rest in that and get comfortable with that and anticipate that. And in the end of this time, we're going to respond to you. I'm going to respond to a church. Not really responding to a man, but we're responding to you. And so, God, we come with that sense of freedom and expectation that the Spirit of the living God is about to speak. And so, God, let's, let us have that freedom, that joy of knowing that. So we ask all this in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for coming out. If this is your first time, you're here on a very cool day. As we, uh, we actually, after this service, we have what we call Vision Night. And uh, Vision 2020, we are laying out the next five years of our church. And so I've shared with you guys in the past, when my wife and I, we moved here, we actually moved here with just, just my wife and I and the kids, and the church has grown, praise God. But now we're in a season where we're praying that God would allow us, he would send us out to more of Brooklyn, and we would be able to leverage all the skills and the gifts that God has placed in this body to be able to reach Brooklyn in a more effective way. And so that's what we're going to be talking about at Vision 2020. Uh, so we pray that you come to that time. And that's right after this time. And we have some food here that we'll be able to uh, eat with you. So I anticipate you all will be able to come to that. Um, we have been talking about money. And man, what an issue that this uh, area of our lives is. I was telling somebody the other day, I, I work at uh, LIU Brooklyn, the college campus downtown. And uh, a guy came up to me and he says, you know, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, I'm, I'm talking about giving. And he was like, oh, I know. Mm -hmm. I know how you guys are. He said, do you have an ATM in your church? Because I know how you guys do. And I was like, man, no, I, no, we're just talking about stewardship and all that. But, you know, this issue comes with a lot of baggage, doesn't it? It comes with a lot of late night preachers offering oil to place over your head. And if you do that, he'll bless you. And blessing, if you, if you give some money, you'll be blessed with some more money, right? And so God is not only God, he's also Santa Claus because he's going to bless you. God is a vending machine. I just put the money in and I'm going to get some goodies out. And so that's what we've been filled with. And so what happens is people fear. There's fear in talking about this because people come with all these different issues. And yet, what if there's something more? What if there's actually, maybe this is just an area we need to talk about because God has something to offer in this area of our lives. That our finances speak deeply into who we are and, and how we operate and how we live and, and actually who we care about. 
We talked about that in the first week, how that, that, that where our treasure is, our heart is. And so our affections are very much tied to our finances. So we've had different rules. We call this series the cash rules. And what we're saying is there's God's word and there's things that he says about money in God's word. And so there's certain rules that we said. And so the first one we said was follow the money, that we should be tracking our money, that we should have a level of awareness of how we spend our money. And I, and I told you that when I was single, there was a woman, her name was Miss Brenda. She would actually sit down with me and she would help me stay accountable. She would help me make a budget. And then once we made a budget, she would actually sit down with me to make sure that I was keeping my money in line. And then once I got married, I married a woman that has no problem being honest with me about money. In fact, the, whenever I spend something, it comes up on the phone. So it's crazy. Getting in the car is crazy when I go to McDonald's and she knows. And it's crazy in my life, man. The accountability is off the hook in my life. Right? So, so because this is the thing. I'm not good at tracking money. I'm, I'm not good at it. Right? Like I look at statements and I'm, it's just all confusing. I don't know what's going on. So because I'm not good at it, I need to enlist someone else to help me. And so that happened when I was single, and it, it happens now in marriage. It even happens for the church. I have someone that keeps me accountable, Josh, our executive pastor, the white guy that comes up, real hipster-looking dude. That's him. He comes up after. That guy right there, he helps keep me accountable financially so that we just don't do things off a whim or impulsively. Now, I, I say all that to say, just to be clear, when we do series like this and we talk about this, there's a level at which people will say amen, they will agree, but when they go home, they don't know what to do with their money. And so that would be a travesty, wouldn't it? To agree that what I'm saying is right or what the word of God is saying is true, but then you walk away and you don't know actually how to apply it. So what we want to do is we want to be able to set you up so that you can, if you don't have a budget or if you don't have a way that you really have a plan with your finances, that you could sit down with someone. So Josh, our executive pastor, actually was a finance major. We put his picture up just so you can see. That's Josh, okay? That's the dude that comes up. I want you to be able to meet with him. His email address is josh at bridgechurchnyc.com. And it would be crazy for you to walk out of here and not have a plan and to know that there's someone who can help you. So Josh can help you. His email address is josh at bridgechurchnyc.com. You know what his email address is? It's josh at bridgechurchnyc.com. And so what that means is this. There should be people after church coming up to you, Josh. <laughs> saying, I need help. It would be crazy if you didn't do that. It would be crazy for you to just say, say amen and agree and not have a plan. All right. So um, follow the money was the first rule. The second, money, uh, second rule was honor God. If you were to summarize the goal of money, what would you say? Would you say it's to make all that you can? Would you say it's spend all that you can? What we said was the goal of money is to honor God with money. And we said that really all of money is a stewardship. In fact, all of life is a stewardship. So all the air we breathe, every eye we blink, every time we blink our eye, every time that we have heart, our hearts beating, those are all things that we rent from God. And he is the landlord of the earth. And so we said we want to honor God with the stewardship we have with our finances. The third one we said was say no to debt. And we said, we, we said you can't say you want God's will for your life and live comfortably in debt. That's somebody else's money. So we can't avoid our debtors. We can't avoid creditors. We should need to talk to them because we owe them money. All right, so we, we want to say no to debt, and God's word is very clear 
about the fact that the borrower will be slave to the lender. Right? And that, that wasn't, that's not James. That's, that's the Bible. Right? That is what God says. You, there's a level of control every time you put yourself in debt. So today, I want to finish this series by suggesting a simple way to organize and prioritize and, and quite possibly even reorder your financial world. All right, you'll, you'll see up on the screen the fact that you can do pretty much about five things with money. You can spend it, you can repay debt, you can pay taxes, you can save it, and you can give it. Now, you know, there's other things you could do, but for the most part, right? You can spend money, repay debt, pay taxes, save it, and give it. And these are all based upon the way that you prioritize money and a level of self-control. Now, the crazy thing about this is that what is it with spending money? Well, when you spend money, that's pretty random, isn't it? Like, I mean, I'm just saying real talk. Like, it's kind of impulsive. You spend it however you want it. You spend it on things you see. You feel like you want it, so you go get it. This is like, I need some cable. I need cable, man. I'm tired. I want some cable. I want some Epics. I want some HBO. All right? It's a repay debt. You repay debt because you, you're paying back on stuff that you want. But that's kind of, that's a forced structure, isn't it? Like, you, you're paying randomly, but that's a forced structure. You don't, you, you, don't, you don't set up, you might set something up, but you're forced into paying back. And then you pay taxes. That's a forced structure. You're forced into that. You just don't, like, agree. You have to do that. And then you save it. And from what I've discovered, for a lot of people, that's kind of random. Like, you save it, it's like, I guess I should save money because need to save it. I heard that before. And then you give it. And this right here is what you have left over for the most part. So the first one is kind of random. The second one's a force structure. The third one's a force structure. The fourth one is a little random. And the fifth one is definitely random and a little left over. And for the most part, this is the way that we prioritize our finances. And what if we could summarize this down to is this thing? Spend it on me. So the first one's about me. The second one is about me, because I bought something and I need to pay people back. Second one's about me. Third one's about America. Got to pay America. Got to pay the man. Fourth one is about me. And the fifth one is God and others. And so there is, in a sense, when the top of my priorities is to spend money on what I can, at the top of my priority list is me. That I, I you know, I, I need to get, there's some certain things I need. I require certain things in my life. And so it's a me first approach with our finances. And this is the wild part. It's a me first approach when it comes to money. And it's a God last approach because God gets what's left. And you, and you feel like you're killing it because you're like, I gave $100 last month. That's three digits. Hello. <laughs> I mean, there was a part you didn't feel. You felt like you sacrificed. You're like, I, I did give. I have a lot. Look, I got stuff I got to buy. I got to repay the man. I got stuff going on in my life. But it, this, is, this, this is what I want you to hear. This, this is what the pastor says if you don't hear nothing else. If you don't hear anything else, this is what I want you to hear. We have a me-first attitude when it comes to our money, right? But when we have an emergency in our life, we have a God-first attitude, right? He's got, I mean, we want, we, it doesn't, we, in, other, in other words, we've already crossed the line of getting God involved in our finances. Because rent is due. 
this New York. It's crazy out here, isn't it? And you're struggling with it, and you want God involved. And so you, it does, I mean, it, you, it does not stop you from getting God on the hotline when things are tough. And it's like there's an urgent situation, and I need you involved, and he's at the top of the list. So he's number one when it comes to help, but he's number five when it comes to honor. That really, when it comes to money, man, God, I'm going to give you what I have left after I do all these other things. And I wonder, I just wonder how God feels about that. Like, like have you ever given your best to somebody and you see that they're not giving their best? I mean, it seems to me that the reason why these issues are so tough to talk about is I really don't know if you're giving your best financially to God. I don't know. I can't tell. Oh, you know what you make. You know what you give. I can tell if you're giving your best to move chairs in the church. I can tell if you're giving your best in children's church or giving your best on the worship. I can tell. But it's so private. It's so private the way we give financially. And then there's so much fear in talking about it. But we are very clear that God needs to, you need to hear me now right now, God. I'm, I'm going through a lot. I need you in my life. God, give me your best. But are we giving God our best? Or are we giving God our leftovers? There was actually a community, a community that a prophet came and spoke to one day. And you know what their problem was? They were wondering, they're like, man, why isn't God intervening in my life? I feel like there's an issue going on with me and God, and I can't figure it out. And there was a community in the Old Testament that was struggling with this. It was in 400 B.C. And the prophet, his name was Malachi, and he was writing a letter to Israel, the people of God. And as he writes this letter, he accuses them of giving their leftovers. At the time, there was what you would call a sacrificial system, where you would actually give animals to God. You would sacrifice them to God. We don't, at the time, they didn't have a monetary system. They had animals, so they had an agricultural system, and so they would raise animals, and so they would actually give animals to God, and that would be the way of showing that I was honoring you, God, with my best. And so they would take the best lamb and the, and the best animals, the best cows, and they would sacrifice those animals to show God, God, I give you my best. So they would give their best stock. But what's crazy is that in the book of Malachi, what they were doing is that they were giving God diseased animals, sickly animals. I went to Africa one time, and I saw a skinny, sick cow. It's crazy. You ever seen that before? It's wild. And, it's, and they had them in the back of the farm, useless, left over. You're not doing anything for me. And so what they do in Africa is they just let, they let him sit over there by himself. Well, here, they're like, you know what? Let me, let, you know what? Let's get that cow. The skinny, nasty, ugly cow and give that to God. We'll give, I'm giving. Come on, God, we're giving. Back up. But are you giving your best? Are you giving your best? That was the issue. 
And, and as I go into this, some of you may get caught up on percentages. Are you giving your best to God? And at the same time requiring God of his best. And so this was the issue in Malachi. They were struggling. And so Malachi, even though it was a scathing leather, compassionately tells them this from the voice of God, Malachi 3 and 7. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and you haven't kept them. This is what he says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. I'll be devoted to you. I'll intervene. I'll step in. But I need you to come back to me. I need you to be devoted to me. I want to be center of attention. Come back into this relationship. Make me number one. And so you ask, how do we return? Verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? So wild. I never knew where this verse came from. It was only during offering in church when I grew up. And the deacon would say it in such like this melodious, almost, almost like a scary movie. Like, would a man rob God? And you're like, Dag, I ain't going to rob you, Lord. Here, I got $5 in my pocket. And you give God because you're like, oh, I'm afraid. Will a man rob God? Dag, how are we robbing God? This is what he says. Yet you rob me. Wait, how can a man rob God? You're God. and I'm a man. And how does that work? Did you leave the door unlocked? What's going on? But you ask me, how do we rob you? He says, this is it. The system that I set up in tithes and offerings. Verse 9. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. You're taking from me what is actually mine. So this is what you ought to do if you want to see that issue of devotion. You want to come back to me. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Man, okay, God, I, I hear you. I need to start giving more. I don't know. I want to be close. And I'm kind of confused. And he says, test me in this. Not, 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 not like in the New Testament with Jesus. It's like, don't put the Lord God to the test. Not that kind of test. What he's saying is, I've got a promise right here. I've got a promise for you. And I want you to try to see if this promise works. So why don't you take away the word, try it. That's what it's actually saying, try it. Try me and see if I'm good. See if I'm able to fulfill my promises. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. See if I don't show you that I am involved. See if I don't return to you. If you will be devoted to me in this private area that you've got tucked away, if you'll be devoted to me, I will come to you. Now let me just say a few things. First and foremost, the way the tithe looked in the Old Testament is much different than you, you've heard about it in church or you've heard about it on TV. 
in the Old Testament, there were actually three tithes. The first tithe was for the Levitical priesthood. Those were the people that would actually take care of the temple. The, the second tithe was actually for the temple itself and feasts that they would have. And the third tithe was a tithe for the poor of the land that would be distributed every third year. So there were actually three tithes. And so if you were to account for all the tithes that they would do, it would actually come to 23% of their income. I wish that number was bigger, like 23%. 23% of their income. If you were making $50,000 a year, that means you'd be giving about $900 a month to God. That deserves an amen. Just say amen. Just feel that with me. Dang, that's a lot of money. So their, their, their system is like different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying like, when we say tithe, it's natural that we say a tenth, but they were giving more than a tenth. And they were giving underneath that percentage. And yet, God was like, but you're, but you're not giving your best. You're not giving your all. And if you would give, you would see that I would get involved in ways that you could not imagine. Now, the other thing that we have to make note of is that what you've heard and, and the thing that has been kind of prostituted about this text is that if you give to God, he will pour out a blessing, but that blessing may not be financial. Like you may still struggle with rent the next week month. It is not some kind of exchange. It is favor. But this is a principle that follows all of the Old and the New Testament. That is this. Where there is obedience, there's blessing. When you're obedient to God, you get blessed. Try it in areas that people don't try it in. If you try God in the area of your sexuality and relationships, try to see if what he says is right. See if you can come to the place where you keep yourself for one person and then you be with them in marriage. See if there's not a blessing from that. You can try it in relationships. You can try it with your emotions. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with people one-on-one. -on -one. Deal with your conflicts in private, Matthew 18. Try to see if his word actually yields to you some results. You can try him relationally. You can try him emotionally. Why don't you try him financially? And I'm saying that in every area of the Bible, God's saying, test me in this. Test me. Try it. See if it won't bless you. In all of the Bible, obedience will always bring blessing, favor, involvement. And if you don't give, it's not that God does not love you, but you will feel the weight of anxiety with your finances because you'll think money comes from you. 
or you will feel the pain of greed and the lack of contentment. Those are the two dragons that beat at us. It is greed always forcing us to a place where there's never enough, or there's anxiety where we're forced to this place where we're always afraid of what's going next, or we can slay both those two monsters with generosity. And we don't need to be afraid, and we don't have to lack contentment because we know it didn't come from us, and we honor him because we know it came from him. And that's what God is doing. God is not, God doesn't, God, if he's God, let's just go out on a limb. If he's God, does he need our money? Is God, is God like on some kind of like loan situation? Is, he like, is this like a commercial for Jesus? Like financially, does he really need us? Could it be that he truly does want something for us and not from us? Could it be that the way you handle money says so much about your heart? And God knows that. And it's not so much that God wants your money. He doesn't want your money to have you. He doesn't want it to have your affections and your mind. And you're sitting there saying, how are we going to do this? And the husband says to the wife, I'm working as hard as I can. And the wife says, well, we got to do more. And you're only looking at each other, but you're not looking at him. Or you got, you got a raise, but then, oh gosh, I got a raise, but then the money that I got for a raise, where did it go? Because I keep buying stuff. The more money you get, it just seems like you're getting more debt and you're getting more things. This principle that Jesus has, uh, that God has laid out, Jesus repeats this similar idea in Matthew chapter 6, and it's the verse we started off with. The beginning of our series, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Oh, he's talking about God and Satan. Because, you know, God and Satan, uh, they're, at a, they're in a war. So he's talking about God and Satan. But he didn't say God and Satan. He didn't say God and the devil. He didn't say God and demons. He says God and money. He says the real issue and nobody's walking around saying, man, I can't wait to bow down to Satan. But people are walking around finding, trying to find money or totally concerned about money. So if Jesus said this, maybe what he's saying is, I know my primary competition for your affections is in your finances. I know who my competition is, and it ain't, and it ain't Satan. It's your pocket. It's what you do when you get that check. It's all the things you begin to think of when you get that money. And you start building it on Friday. Yeah, start thinking about what we're going to do. What I'm going to do. What I'm going to do. God, I'm going to give God something. But I know what else I'm going to do. And you start thinking about all these things you have now. Look at what I have. Look at what I have. Look at what I have. And he's saying... Because you have it now, but you could lose it. It could all be gone in a second. So he's trying to keep you from, from robbing him, but more so from experiencing him. And so he says in Matthew 6, and, and it's so funny because we read this verse and we're like, yeah, you can't serve God on money. And then we don't connect to the rest of the chapter. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. So don't worry. So don't worry. You see what happened there? He says, listen, you can't serve God and money, so, you know, look for God and do all that. And then he goes down to verse 31, so don't worry. 
Don't worry about what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. Don't worry about that. He says, verse 32, for the pagans run after these things. The people that don't even know God, the people that don't have a relationship with God, you're just as anxious as people who don't even think God exists. How can a Christian and an atheist sit there and be like, I'm scared of my money. I'm scared that I don't have enough. He says this, your heavenly father knows your needs, your father. He's a father and he cares for you. And so in light of the fact that he's a father, verse 33, but seek, what does that say? First, 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 one, priority, first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those other things they'll be given to you so you don't have to worry about clothes and cars and all these other things if you would make him priority number one first first then you won't have to have anxiety because you know it all comes from him and so God is saying that there's this battle going on in your heart when it comes to money. Prioritizing God's interest financially is an invitation to his activity in your life because he, he waits, he, he wants to be welcomed by you. This is not in any way something to have you, be, have you um, respond in compulsion. It's an invitation to a deeper relationship and the priority of your money reflects the direction of your heart. And so to honor God, I, our priorities must, our, our money must represent our priorities. And we take a cue from, from his son who puts others first. So what we must do then is flip the list. Flip the list that we had. To put God first means that you would give before you spend. You would give to God first. And in giving to God first, that would now show a clear sense of direction, a clear sense of priority. And when you give to God first, you're saying, I want to make sure your kingdom concerns get funded first. And no more leftovers from me, but I will now put you first. In fact, I'll give to you before I pay debt. Oh, did the pastor say don't pay debt? No, I didn't say don't pay debt. Pay your debts. But give to God first before you pay your debts. Well, which one? I had conversations with you. Which one should I pay both? But prioritize God in your giving. So you give to God first. And that's how we operate as a family. When we get money, our first check is to God. We don't even, I don't even take time to play with it because I like money. And it's not that I like money. I like what I can do with money. I have dreams. I got plans and things I want to do. I told y'all where I vacation. I vacation in Jersey and Connecticut. I want to go to Paris. I want to go on a cruise line. I got a plan. I, there's so many things I want to do. So as a way of disciplining ourselves as a family, our first check is always to God first. We look always to that 10% and we say to ourselves, this right here is God's. So that we never get to the place where we begin to operate like it's ours. And in that way, we honor 
our God. Now, there is obviously a tension in that we would think, well, let's just give to God. But we have to think percentage. We have to think in a way where we are not just thinking impulsively giving to God, but we're thinking in proportion. We're thinking, what would be my best? And that's why we think 10%, because when we give 10%, we feel like that's sacrificial giving. We feel like that's giving to God in the way that he gave to us. We feel like Jesus gave us his best, so we want to give him our best. And 10% hurts a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, we feel it. And, we're, and it's not, it's not, we're not saying pain, it's just saying it is honoring. We, we feel like it's honoring God. It's honoring Him in the way that we utilize Him. Now, in Mark 12, I just want to show you one last verse. Mark 12 reads like this. Mark 12, verse 30 to 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Verse 42. But a poor woman came. A poor woman came. I'm sorry, widow came. And put in two very small copper coins. Worthy only of a few cents. Verse 43. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. So, I mean, imagine the scene. The scene is everyone sitting down, looking at people, putting their money in, and the very rich people, I mean, I I wonder what sound it made when they put all their money, their coins in, and you could hear it, and everybody looked at them like, man, look at what they're doing. Look how much they're giving. And then this old woman, this widow, comes up, and she just, ding, ding, these two little coins she puts in, and and, and the disciples are probably sitting there like, look look at her, Jesus, look at her, Jesus, look at her, she ain't giving nothing, and Jesus says, guys, come over, look at this. I know you saw all them, all those big money guys. This woman that we just saw, she actually gave more than the rest of them. Because she gave in proportion to all that she had. She didn't give out of her excess. It says she gave out of her poverty. She gave to a place where she would clearly show that, God, you're my everything, so I give you my all. He's saying she gave her best. And so he honored her. And in many ways, the scriptures in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, it says that you should give as you prosper. Give as you prosper. As your, as your income increases, your giving should increase. You're giving to God. And so as we flip our priorities, it is an invitation from God into a deeper relationship because he's watching us as we go by and we put something in the offering plate. Can you believe that, that in the text, he actually watched them and he knew what their account was? He knew. And he was like, I mean, can you imagine like in his head, he's like, no, no, 
no, no, that's not. Yeah, I know you ain't you ain't giving all your her. Right there. God, I know, I know. You're looking on the outside. Y'all looking hard. I know. She just gave all she had. But then she gave everything. And this is the thing. When we talk about money as a church, this isn't about walking up here and showing what you can give. It's not about being the biggest donor and having the most. Giving is about giving all that you have in response to how God gave all He had to us. And so we respond to Him. And so in many ways, our fourth rule in the cash rule is this. That we should have three priorities. Give, save, spend. That when you look at your money, that should be the way that you handle your finances. First, off the top, I give. Secondly, I save. I save something. If you can't save a lot, you save some level of money so that you can set your family up for the future and your life up for the future, and then you spend it on yourself. And when you do that, you are flipping your priorities to say, God first, me second. God first, me second. So you give, and you save, and you spend. And that's the way that I believe you'd be honoring God in your finances. You say to yourself, I don't know if I buy in. I don't know if I believe, but don't you think if God says, I want the first fruits, I want the best, maybe it's also to help order your world and order your life in the way that he set it up? Think about it. The last three weeks I've referenced my jackets because I like them. But you see this jacket? You see this first button? supposed to go first, second? And what if I put what's supposed to go second, first? And then I walk around like, yeah! <laughs> and this is what some of your finances look like. Yeah. The fact of the matter is this. Whenever you put what's supposed to go first, second, it may fit right, but it looks crazy. Because it was never intended to be that way in the first place. And, and part of this is, is happening. So part of that is your life is not following God's order because you're not following God's plan. But the other thing is you don't realize when you don't give to God, he says, did, did you hear what he said? He said, you're robbing me. And, and, and you can, we can spend all day on what you, what you think he means by rob. But I think what he's saying is I'm offended. I'm offended. But this is the crazy part. I don't actually think God is like offended that you're not giving. I think God is offended and hurt that you're not living the way he's intended. Because he's a father. 
Every father, when they see their children living outside of the way that he has prescribed for them, certainly there's anger, but that anger, at the base of that anger, is a sadness and a grieving that you're not living the life that I know you can live. At the base of that is a concern. There's so much more. And I think what God is saying is if you only knew you had me, you wouldn't have to have fear of finances. There was a story told once of a, of a man, his name was Darren Simpson. Darren Simpson one day found a gun in his father's house. He decided that he wanted to get some money. He needed some money. This was in Ontario. And so he went and he robbed a bank with this gun. Once he robbed the bank, he was apprehended and the gun was apprehended. He ended up robbing the bank for $6,000. He was brought into the jail cell. They sat down with him. The lawyers came in. And they said, we realize that you're, you robbed the bank, you were apprehended. But they said, did you know what you had? He said, no. He said, the gun you had was a 1918 mint condition 45 caliber pistol. He was like, looked like a gun to me. I mean, I just, I don't want to rob the bank. He said, but I don't think you understand. The gun you had is worth $100,000. Do you realize that you robbed a bank and you never needed to? The whole time in your very hand, what you needed was already there. But you spent, you, you, you put this plot together to rob when you already had what you needed. And in the same way, we're anxious, taking from God, taking finances from one who has given it to us. And he has said, I feel like you're robbing me. I feel like you're taking from me. But here's what I'm really concerned about. Don't you know I already have it for you? I've already got rent on lock for you. And if I don't, I'm going to move you to someplace else because I care for you. I'm your father. Don't you know I care for you? You want me when your life is hard, but you don't honor me in the financial area of your life. And somehow you wink at God thinking he's cool with it. And so today we, we have an invitation. We have an invitation and we invite you into living for God financially in a new and a fresh way. Um, if you look under your seats, that, this would be the time to look under your seats. You'll see it says 90 day tithe challenge. <clears throat> After this service, we are going to spend some time talking through some of the great plans we feel like God has for this church and some of the amazing things that we feel like God has laid forth for us. Um, in the next two weeks, we uh, have an amazing uh, town hall discussion that we're going to be doing, and uh, we're putting a lot of resources into that, and we're, we're looking at up our, upping our uh, children's director position. There's a lot of cool things we're doing, but the reason why I didn't want to talk about it in this message is because I don't want to make it come across like you're just giving to the church, and like this is like an investor relations meeting, okay? What I want to make clear is this card, I'm going to read the back of it, turn it over. It says, I believe that tithing is a biblical practice that honors God by returning the first 10% of what God directs my way, <clears throat> based upon Malachi 3.10. For the next 90 days, for the next 90 days, I will give to Bridge Church. At the end of the 90 days, if I do not believe the Lord has blessed me in, my, in meeting my needs, I understand that Bridge Church, at my request, will return my money. 
I, I, what I've just told you is this. Test him. And if it doesn't work out, we'll give you your money back. You see, because we don't want something from you, we want something for you. Yeah. I'm, you're, I mean, I know, I know, I pretty, I pretty much know the financial condition of most people in here, so what you have ain't gonna do that much. No, I'm playing, no, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great, it's gonna be great, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, I do, awesome. But what I'm saying is, but even if you were a huge giver, if I'm afraid of having or giving away your giving, that says something about my relationship with God. No, we put that money back guarantee as a way to be an expression of Malachi 3. Test him. See if it doesn't work out. And we will sit down with you and write you a check and give you your money back. But what we believe is that we are going to have testimony after testimony of someone saying, I just am blown away. You know what? Pastor James, this is crazy, but I've got so much blessing, I don't have room for it. I see God doing things I had not imagined or thought of. And so I want to test the Lord in this area. And this card here is a representation of that. Now, what we've also said is this. Um, if you do, uh, one, if you've already been tithing, great. We have a check that says, I'm ready to begin tithing 10% of my income. The second one is, I will continue to, to tithe 10% of my income. So if you've already been doing that, you can just check that box. If you do sign up for this, next week we will have a book for you. It's a book called Experiencing God. And it's a, basically like a 90-day, it's about 13-week um, devotional. And it's, it's meant to be an everyday devotional. So uh, it's so that during that time, you can be tracking with, um, with, with this book, and it, and it talks about how you can be invited into what God is doing. So it's a fantastic devotional, and I think it will bless your life. So that will be a gift from us to you, um, and we will have those for you next week. This is what we're going to do in this time. Um, we, we are going to give you a moment to write on this card, um, but we're going to have also a time of worship and a time to respond because we really feel like this is a deep area that we, for some of us, need to repent of. And some of us have had our eyes open and just feel like, man, this is the first time I've heard someone talk clearly about money. If I were to review our, our laws, our laws, our cash rules, we said follow the money, honor God, say no to debt, and then give, save, spend. We're going to take this time now to seek the Lord and we're also going to take this time to just be in his presence. I challenge you to test him. To test him. And to see if there is not a blessing you cannot handle. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our life. Heavenly Father, we just pray for uh, your grace. And Jesus, even now, Lord, we... There's, there's in our minds a lot happening and um, quite possibly a lot of fears. As I look out into the crowd, there are some that look at this moment as a challenge they've been waiting for. This is a good spiritual challenge for them. For others, there's fear. 
and even others, there may be suspicion. Holy Spirit, for every obstacle that is there, for every concern, for any mounting suspicion, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would clarify your presence in their life and that there would be a real sense that this is not a man speaking to men, but that God himself is speaking through his word. And I pray, God, that we would respond. That this moment right now, this challenge, is an opportunity towards a deeper relationship. He says, return to me, and I will return to you. Don't rob me anymore. Today, today we will cease all theft from our God. Today, today is the day that we will enter into a life of sacrificial giving, of cheerful giving. And we will be a generous church, a church that gives itself away, a church that honors God. In every area of our life, we honor you, God. And we will not lower the bar on finances. We will honor you sexually and emotionally and relationally. And we will honor you financially. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that many yokes are broken. That many anxiety, yokes of anxiety are broken. And all the yokes of greed are broken. And then all the times that we've been concerned and confused, let those come to an end. And we know that my God is a provider and I will trust him. That this is an opportunity of trust and of faith. And we are pressing into your presence right now. And this is the least that we could do. This is the least that we could do as a church. Holy Spirit, fill us up.